If you have a Bible, I'd love to have you turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 20. And of course, the study sheet in your bulletin, I know, will be a help to you. We are in week eight of a summer series looking at the Ten Commandments. Can't believe it's rolled by as quickly as all of that, but we are, we are looking at God's heart, rediscovering God's heart in the Ten Commandments. Easy to look at just the basic commandment and say, here's a bunch of stuff you should or shouldn't do. There's a little more to it than that in each case, and I think we'll see that again this morning as we focus on one, one little line. When you think about this business of stealing, or, well, not stealing, um, one little command, um, to look around the history of the world uh, is to see a whole lot of thievery going on. I mentioned on your study sheet in the little thing called today's text, just a few, just a few, oh my goodness, famous thieves. Some are loved, some are hated. You say, what do you mean loved? Who loves thieves? Well, come on, you guys. I mean, come on. Robin Hood stole from the rich and gave to the poor. Right? What's not to like about Robin Hood? Uh, Disney made a movie that made everybody love a thief. Come on. What's that? Caravan. I don't know about that one. I better watch it. I love. There's another one. Aladdin. I know. What's not to love? Aladdin. I know the flying on the carpet and all that. It's wonderful. If you go to Disney, uh, let's see. What is it? California Adventure. It's great. It's a cool little thing. Aladdin. What's not to love? Well, thievery, stealing. One of those things we say, well, you shouldn't do that. And most of us, I think, some of us, would, would look at this little command and say, surely not I. I would never, I would never take what isn't mine. And as we have seen in our study of the Ten Commandments, uh, sometimes our tendency is to look at these and, well, for one, to view them as a, a way of earning favor with God. Many people look at the Ten Commandments that way. If I, if I could just keep... I don't know, a couple of them. That'd be great. Um, Maybe I'd earn a little favor with God or something like that. And as we have seen week after week, properly understood. Oh, dear friends, we we break them all. We break them all. We we end up looking at it at, at its surface and say, oh, certainly. No, no, I'm good here. But then you dig a little deeper and you look at the heart of God and you say, oh, Lord, this one breaks me too. And so today we're going to be walking that very, what I think by now familiar pattern of looking at the word of God and thinking about it together and thinking about particularly the heart of God behind it. What was he, what's he after when he, when he gives us that specific command and how do I, how do I try to obey it? And, and then uh, don't miss this, please. This should be a familiar cycle. Okay. God's commands, God's commands. We look at them and they, they, we, we see our heart and, and it brings us to Jesus. Okay. It brings us to Jesus. It always should, because if the commands of God, we understand them and we find ourselves guilty. If we only, if we only stop right there and say, well, guilty. All right, stop it and go out and sin no more. If it was that easy, we would have done it a long time ago. We'd have fixed it a long time. We'd have fixed us. But the the way the gospel works is the, the word of God comes along and we see God's perfections and we see our brokenness and, and quickly God breathes mercy and takes us to Jesus. 
It's this wonderful gospel cycle. And we've got to walk the whole thing even today on this business of stealing. So I want to pray for us. And, and then we're going to go after this. And uh, my goodness, we'll talk about a thief here in just a moment. And oh my goodness, it's going to get rough. But pray with me for God's help. All right. <laughs> Father, it's so good to come to your word. It is. Each week as the church family gathers and we open the word of God together, how, how good it is to know that you have a work to do in every one of us. Uh, you, you show us who you are. You show us, tell us what you're like. And then you, you bring us to yourself through Jesus. We're so thankful. Our Father, we can't save ourselves. We just can't. We can't be good enough to earn your favor. Try as we might. We just fall down again and again. Thank you so much for the good news of Jesus, the Savior. Help us now in your word. We need it. We do. We need your help. In Jesus' name, amen. I mentioned here in your study sheet the famous story of Achan. I don't know if you remember this, but maybe one of the more famous thieves in the Old Testament storyline. Achan, of course, was part of the children of Israel as they were heading through the, the wilderness and so on. And God was giving them land and so on. And, and, and there was a moment when the people of Israel were headed into this battle. And God had said, don't touch the stuff. All right. Big battle. Just leave it all alone. It's not yours. And there was a moment, I'm telling the story quickly, Achan, in the midst of the chaos of battle, he saw some good stuff. And he went, huh, that could go to waste. And he wanted it, and he took it, and, and here's the deal, his family was complicit in it. How do I know that? Well, because it says he took it home and he dug a hole in the middle of the family tent and buried it. It's kind of hard to not notice if dad's digging a hole in the middle of the house. So he's digging a hole, throws his stuff in there, covers it up and says, what, who me? It went very poorly for him and for the family. And a lot of people were hurt. A lot of people were hurt because dad took what wasn't his. Now, it's easy to look at him and go, my goodness sakes, what a bad guy. Well, Martin Luther, ever heard of him? Great reformer, famous, famous guy. He has some encouraging words. Well, okay, maybe not. He has some very interesting words about humanity, and he's talking about, he's talking about every one of us here. He had a way with words, and so Martin Luther, uh, wow, he said this. If we look at humanity in all its conditions, it is nothing but a, you ready? A vast, wide stable full of great thieves. There you go. Lord bless you. Have a good week. Thank you. Thank you, Martin Luther. Now, Luther also speculated about what would happen if we would all be brought to justice. He says, it's the smallest part of thieves that are hung. He's writing in the 1500s. We really don't do this anymore. But back then, it's the smallest part of thieves that are hung. If we were to hang them all, where would we get rope enough? He says, well... Man, thank you, Martin Luther. Go and be blessed. Appreciate that. But I think he has a point. If you look at your study sheet, uh, I, I want to look with you at how we're going to approach this. I want to read from the book of Exodus here in just a moment all of the Ten Commandments. I've been doing that week after week. I want them to, to ring in our hearts and, and just resonate uh, with us. So I want to take uh, a few minutes and talk about specifically that, that eighth command about what it means to steal or not to steal. We're going to talk about what God had in mind and how the Bible kind of looks at this. And along the way, we'll move from thinking about, you know, stealing cars and things like that to other ways that we do the same thing. And then uh, a section about the theology of, theology of stealing. Well, yes, as a matter of fact, 
when we do things, um, it says something about how we think. It does. More on that in a minute. So the theology that undergirds a heart that steals. What are we saying to God? What are we saying about him? That's where we're going to go. And we'll talk about the gospel just a little bit because by then we'll really be ready for it. But I want to read Exodus 20, 1 through 17. I want us to hear the word of God. All the Ten Commandments, we'll focus on just the one, but the, the, the whole list uh, again today. And if you're wondering what we did with some of the others that we are moving by, we have sermons on those. They're online. You can find it and study along with us. But here then, the word of God, Exodus 20, starting verse 1, we read this. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that's in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord, your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Wow. Every week we read, we read the text, we look at what God has to say. Now, if you look at your study sheet, I've given you a couple of New Testament references as well. The Apostle Paul addressed some things about about taking what isn't yours and about God's provision for our needs, not through stealing, but through normal means like you know, working, uh, uh, notwithstanding um, times of needing a job and being between jobs and so on. But I want to look at several things with you here. And with Exodus 20 open in front of you, if you look at what I have here, uh, I want you to think with me about the Ten Commandments as a unit. I, I note here the Ten Commandments are interconnected. And you could make a case that every one of them is in some way connected to the other. People often think about the ten, the first table, the second table, and so on, different ways people look at the Ten Commandments. But I want you to think about this element with me for a moment, as I have in front of you here. Coveting is the first step towards stealing. Well, coveting is the Tenth Commandment. Isn't that going to be fun? We'll talk about that Labor Day. Um, So that'll be the Tenth. But next week, Pastor Tyler will be talking about this business of telling the truth. Committing adultery is a form of stealing, isn't it? It's taking what isn't yours to take. 
And the first commandment about worship of God, well, false worship robs God of honor that is his due. And if I stop right there, but if you keep, if you keep going and keep thinking, here's what I'm after. You, you, you see a connectedness here between all of them. Uh, taking, taking what isn't yours, robbing God of honor, of thanks that is due his name. Well, stealing. And so God calls it out specifically in that eighth commandment and says, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't take what isn't yours. Don't steal. Now, I've mentioned to you throughout the summer, as we look at the Ten Commandments, we are skilled at re- being reductionists. That is, we are skilled at, at lowering the bar so low that we can not have to break a sweat to jump over it. Uh, so we would say, well, stealing, that's like taking cars and things, right? It's like robbing millions and millions of dollars from armored cars. I would never do that. And you probably wouldn't, unless you could get away with it. You probably wouldn't do those things, right? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, certainly, certainly I wouldn't do those things. And yet, really, when you think about the heart of God, as as these things are fleshed out through all of Scripture, you find that God is concerned about much more than cars and armored cars full of money and jewels. We steal in countless other ways. We take things that are not ours to take. So as we think just a bit here, now I've got a little list, all right? It's gonna be, I know, this is going to be painful, but I just want to work it through, all right? Got to read you some stuff I came across, but let's, let's think about this together then. Sometimes, in fact, stealing involves taking physical possessions. That's what we often think about, whether it's cars or other stuff. A little bit of surfing here this week. Uh, Looked up shoplifting. Shoplifting in America. I won't ask for a show of hands if you've ever done this. Uh, I remember as probably a three-year-old. I don't know. It's old enough for me to remember, but young enough where I didn't know. Where I didn't. Anyway. (laughs) I remember going to some little store with my mom and coming out of there with like a Tootsie Roll. I remember that. Um, I don't know if I really thought that I was going to take it, but it surely ended up (laughs) in my possession in the car. Well, okay, shoplifting. Oh, my goodness sakes. Well, according to statistics on on shoplifting, all right, here you go. We often think about the people who shoplift, and we think about them in categories. Well, here's what I discovered, according to this guy, okay? It surely is true because I found it on a website. So it says, uh, of those who steal from stores, professionals make up... 5%. I know. Who'd have thought? The impoverished, those who steal out of economic need. 5%. See, we would tend to think much bigger. Thrill seekers who are just doing this for a dare or excitement. 5%. You see a theme? Uh, Drug or gambling addicts who steal to support a habit. 5%. The biggest chunk, it says, addictive compulsive shoplifters... People who struggle with compulsive addictions, like uh, all kinds of other things that people do out of uh, compulsivity, it's that, or who have repressed anger, who want to get the system. You know what? They can afford it. You know, get, get that 1%. They put that in there, 75%. I know. Who'd have thought? I, surely I, as a little guy, would not have been under addicted. Well, but you know I was, because I was a little sinner. Still am. I, I, you know, like you, 
I was born that way. Uh-huh. Got to watch these guys. I, I visit children's ministry. I visit the nursery. We got a whole pack of thieves back there, too. Luther. <laughs> Luther is right, baby. It's a den of thieves. Yeah, I mean, you go back through the nursery. Your kids, your kids in your absence are saying things like, mine and taking people's toys right back here we try we try to curb it uh, sometimes i'm sorry stealing does involve sometimes taking physical possessions but there's more if you look with me here stealing can sometimes involve these other activities it can involve taking other people's ideas or work as our own you ever seen that done maybe you've had that maybe you've been on the receiving end of that where you were the person with the brilliant idea and somebody else in a meeting comes up and says hey i have an idea and they throw out your idea like it was theirs and you're going yo a little bit of love over here i said that six months ago now i don't know where i got this well they took your idea maybe intentionally or not maybe other people have done that to you maybe you've done that to others where you took an idea or their work and claimed it as your own. Now, let's talk about employees and employers for a minute. Can you steal on the job? No, I would never walk out of there by taking the stuff. Ah, but wait, there's more. Uh, for example, if you're an employee not giving a full day's work for a full day's pay, and all the employers in the, in the room said, amen. Yeah, various ways that employees can, in a sense, steal from the company or the boss. I list you a few here. Chatting. I don't mean like don't talk. I just mean except when you're supposed to be. We're working here and you're busy chatting up a storm. Okay? Excessive. Not related to work. Uh, Facebook. Do I need to say more? Or other social media. It's always on a little queue. You got the screen open and you're just ready to go boom. Oh, probably aren't paid for that. Shopping online. What happens on, what is it? Black Monday they call it? Is that the deal? All those people have the day off? Is that the idea? No, you're supposed to be at work is the theory, spending your day at work. I I think that's the reputation, isn't it? Look at all this stuff that's ordered the Monday after Thanksgiving. Well, really, uh, I'm not sure how all the employers feel about that. Playing games, I don't mean like checkers unless it's online. People do these things. Maybe you do these things. Maybe you're an employee. Have you ever thought about this as stealing? You ever thought about that? Interestingly... I'm not going to read you all these. It might give you some ideas. But I, I read a blog this week called Time Theft. Top seven ways employees steal time. Yeah, a whole variety of ways that we might, you might not think of it as stealing. But, oh my goodness, you know, beating the clock, clocking in when you, before you actually start work, clocking out, you know, and certainly at a, at a time that helps you out. Having somebody else use your time card if you're a time card place. Too much socializing, chatting, excessive personal phone calls. How about this? 29% of workers report falling asleep on the job. Napping. Wow. Go to the storeroom, come back three hours later, feeling refreshed. I don't know. I don't know how you do this. Um, the internet, of course, all of these things, as we've mentioned, hide and seek. I don't know. Do you guys ever read, um, the cartoon strip Dilbert? Yeah, some of you do very few people. First hour, either read Dilbert or admit to it, but it's about this. Uh, clearly the, the, the folks who, who write Dilbert have spent some time in corporate America because it's this little interaction between all the employees and the pointy haired boss who really isn't all that smart and all the different ways that they get around uh, working, actually working. Well, I don't know how that works for you, but have you thought about this? If you're an employee, now the importance of being honest with your time and giving a full day's work 
because you do expect a full day's pay. Right? And to, to intentionally do otherwise or repeatedly do otherwise, in a sense, is a form of stealing. Now, what about employers? Can employers steal from employees? Well, certainly, and I'm not intending to get all political here. I'm just intending to talk about the Eighth Commandment. Okay? Don't steal. Don't steal from anybody. Well, employers can steal too. Um, expecting employees to take work home and not get paid for it. That's, in a sense, is a form of stealing. You're expecting them to do something and not get appropriately compensated for it to keep their job. Well, you're stealing their time. Uh, making sure they stay right underneath the right number of hours so you don't owe them benefits, but really they're working more, and you know it. And these are ways where people kind of get around things. If you're an employer, don't do those things. Failing to pay appropriate wages. And again, my, my point today is not about minimum wage arguments. It's not about that at all. It's just to say... There's a lot of different ways that you can take what isn't yours or not give what you owe, which is, again, all those are forms of stealing, aren't they? Underreporting income, overclaiming deductions, IRS time. I know that's already passed. It's April. We don't think about that except around tax time, right? Fudging on a time card. I've mentioned that. How about across the page, the other side, how about false advertising? This thing was amazing. It's the most wonderful thing in the world, and you need it for four easy payments of whatever. Or covering up defects to make a sale. You ever been tempted to do that? You're trying to sell a car that you know is not going to make it around the block three more times, but you don't want to tell them because they wouldn't buy it. After all, it might keep working. I mean, we're, we're, come on now. Aren't we right at the edge of stealing if we haven't already crossed the line? Selling a product that we know is defective. Stealing covers a lot, guys. Ladies, there's a lot of different ways people, okay, we, we take what isn't ours, fail to give what we owe. Uh, Proverbs 3.27 says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it's in your power to give it, power to do it. And that covers a lot too, I think, in this whole category of stealing. Refusing to grant forgiveness. Is that, is that stealing? In a sense, it is. You're stealing someone else's peace of mind. Because you won't grant forgiveness that you know is the right thing to do. Are you stealing? Yeah, probably so. Failing to extend kindness. Failing to give due affection. Failing to spend time with the family. Are you stealing from them? Well, you could be. Failing to care for a, a loved one. Failing to care for a spouse. Failing to spend time where, you, where it should be. You can be stealing. I, I give all of that, again, not to discourage us, but just to say, when we think about the commandment, don't steal, let's not be so foolish as to say that it's only about cars and armored cars full of money. This is about the stuff we do every day and how we treat people. And as we'll see in a minute, most profoundly, I think about how we interact with God. Now, I want to talk about theology for just a minute. Now, under this category, I give you just, I, I didn't know where else to put it, so I put it here because I wanted to put it someplace. All right, don't miss this. The Bible affirms private ownership. This is a little lesson in economics. People wonder about if the Bible addresses certain things about economics. I would suggest that it does, at least implicitly. You know, in order to steal something from somebody else, it, it assumes some private ownership, like it's theirs. So it assumes that somebody can own something. It's theirs, and we shouldn't take it. 
So the Bible, at least in terms of structures of economics, assumes some uh, manner of private ownership of things, as opposed to it all belongs to all of us. So think about that if you, if you like to think about economics and things like that, government. Uh, stealing, then. I want you to work with me through the next couple items here. Stealing, as with complaining. Oh, boy. It, it says something. It says that God's provision for me today isn't good enough. Stealing, as with complaining. One of the books on biblical counseling that we have studied in our ongoing pursuit, you know that throughout the year, every year we do a biblical counseling seminar that thinks about a specific area of life and what God says about it. One of those books, and at this moment today, I cannot remember which book it is. But the writer says this, behind every sin is a lie we believe. Think about that. Behind every sin is a lie we believe. It might be, I deserve more. Um, You owe me more. God's, as here, God's provision for me today is not enough. Telling the truth would be worse than telling a lie. Uh, I deserve, I don't know, behind every sin. If you think, think about this as you're driving home. Behind every sin is a lie, I believe. I'm suggesting that here is one of them as it relates to taking what isn't mine. God's provision for me today isn't good enough. And I reference Exodus 16. This is more about complaining, but it's also about stealing. And if you remember the story in the Old Testament, Exodus 16, what's going on in Exodus 16? Just, Just think biblically for a moment here. Okay, Exodus is about, I know, the Exodus. So they're coming out of the promised land. God delivers them. It's right before us, this part of Exodus 20. And God has brought them out of the promised land, children of Israel, 10 plagues, um, Passover. God brings them through the Red Sea and they're, they're headed toward the promised land. And what do they do right at the beginning? Yeah. So begins this process of grumbling, complaining. Oh, folks, listen, it's in every one of our hearts. It is. You might say, okay, but I'm an optimist. I'm a pessimist. You know what? Apart from personalities and habits and all of that, uh, we, we tend to be just like those folks. As soon as they were delivered by God, they got out in the desert, and right away they didn't like the food. They grumbled about the menu. They looked around and said, what's with the lousy food? I mean, and real quickly, they started saying, when we were slaves in Egypt, we ate better. I mean, for goodness sakes, think about this. You, you, you want to go back. Well, there's a, there's a point on that little journey of complaining where some of them do say, we should just go back. We just turn ourselves back in and be slaves again. At least we got garlic. Like, seriously, how good a garlic or leeks and onions was it anyway? Because you're going to go back and turn yourself into slaves to get better food? Are you kidding me? And at its very core, they're... God, God was, I had a little talk with Moses about this. God said to Moses, they're not really complaining against you. They're complaining against me. That's what you and I do a lot. We look at God's provision and we say, well, this isn't nearly good enough. I need more. I, I, my goodness sakes, what's going on, God? It's a lie we believe. God's provision for me today isn't enough measure of health I'm given, 
done my best with the parts that's mine to do in life. And here's what God has chosen to give me. And you know, God, you're not measuring up in the delivery part. Yeah. Now, come on. I mean, do you ever, do you ever find yourself here? I, I, I think we do. Probably all of us at times. And that's why in a couple weeks, again, two weeks from now, Pastor Tyler's going to lead us next week in our study of telling the truth. And then we're going to get Labor Day to talking about coveting, which is an issue of the heart. That whole morning is going to be focused on our hearts. And, and oh, my goodness sakes, the hard work it is to say, Lord, teach me contentment. Do you need a lesson in this? With whatever is my lot today, teach me contentment. Well, we're going to see that in two weeks, but I think it fits here too, under stealing. Stealing says, I'm not content, I'm taking that. Now, keep going. Stealing is a form of rebellion, I want to suggest, against God. Rebellion against God? I thought it was just like fudging a little bit. Okay, hold on. No, stealing, rebellion against God. What do I mean by that? Well, I go back to the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, before sin, right? Before sin entered the world in Genesis 3, God established certain patterns, rhythms. And we often forget in this in this um, uh, work-driven and yet work-hating society, we forget that, that in the beginning, before sin entered the world, God established vocation. Now, this isn't about whether you're working for a living, whether you're retired, that isn't the point. God gave Adam a reason to get up in the morning, a, a way to contribute to the world. God put him in charge of the garden, said, tend and keep it. He gave him something to do, something meaningful. He wasn't getting paid for it. Of course, at that point, there wasn't that system. It's just Adam, Adam and God. But God put him in charge of tending and keeping the garden. In that sense, God established vocation as an honorable thing, not something to be avoided, not part of the curse. Well, as soon as I can quit working, I I, I get it. I get it. I get it. Because you might work for Dilbert's boss and so on. But I'm just saying work, work is work is a good thing. Is it God originally intended it? A reason to get up in the morning. You're retired. I, I still think even when you're retired, you should do something productive. You should show up at our ministry fair. Wow, I could have worked that one in. Just, man, don't want to do that. That's not my point. My, my, my deal is, retired or not, I hope you have something productive to do with uh, the skills and abilities and passions God's placed in your heart. However old you are, whatever, whatever you got, I think you should do something. Contribute to the world. I think that's God's plan. And so to say, I'm going to steal, I'm going to take what isn't mine, it's taking God's provision for other people. And I think it's rebelling against God's, God's established order. Don't do that. And of course, finally, stealing violates the second great commandment. You remember the first, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second, like it, Jesus said, love your neighbor as you do, in fact, love yourself. It's not a call to love yourself. It's an acknowledgement that you do already. That's what it is. You should love yourself because yeah, you do. Okay, you do. So love your neighbor. Don't, if you do, you won't take their stuff. You'll honor them. You'll, 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 you won't do that. Now, I want to I think with you about a couple of things here. Um, all, uh, many of us, I can't say all of us, many of us know what it's like to have our stuff taken. I hate that. I remember a number of years ago coming home from Sunday night church. Kathy and I in the car and uh, noticed as we pulled in the driveway, the front door was open. No, no, it'd been kicked open. The frame shattered. 
Kathy started saying, don't get out of the car. Don't go in there. It's like, yeah, all right. I'm sorry. I didn't say it quite like that. I'm going in there. They better be, they better be running because this boy is angry. You know, you you violated my house, baby. I'm so coming for you. And so, man, I, I'm embarrassed to say now you're going to say what we think. I was younger. All right. I was 30 years younger. I, I, I seriously, I grabbed a stick. And I went to the front door and said, I'm coming in. You better be out of here because I'm looking for you. I did. I said something like that. Uh, and then I went looking. I did. They, they'd already apparently left the back through the back door, took Kathy's jewelry box, grandma's earrings, all the you know, stuff with some sentimental value. And on a more personal level, they took my best pair of jeans. <laughs> they took my pants. I understood the jewelry box. I mean, it's what you do if you're stealing. You, took, you went through my drawer and took my jeans. It's like, what are you doing? Give me my pants back. I, I was so mad. Kathy's mad about her jewelry. I was mad about my pants. <laughs> More recently, we were robbed again. We haven't said a lot about this. Um, on our little trip to Europe, visiting missionaries, uh, we had a little incident in Paris with four thieves in an elevator. Haven't said a lot about it because we didn't want that part of the story of a mission event to, to take over the rest of the story. Right? Hated that. Violated. You took my you took my wallet, man. What are you doing? Could have taken worse, I know. Took me a while to calm down and quit praying in precatory. That's the bad prayers. You know, the Lord get him prayers, Lord smack him prayers. Days, in fact, before I could say, God. Uh, it wasn't that I prayed, you know, let him get away, but God, yeah, bring him to justice, bring him to Jesus. I wonder when the last time anybody prayed for them, prayed good, prayed God's gospel. I wonder when anybody did that. So I've been working on doing that, but it's really hard. It's really hard. Now here's, here's the thing. Stay with me on this little turnaround, right? As hard as it was for me to pray for those thieves, It's easy to forget that I'm one too. Maybe I steal different things, hopefully. Uh, and you probably are too. Times that you've taken stuff that wasn't yours to take, fudged on something, stole from somebody, maybe they won't ever know. Took time, effort, money, robbed away from your family. Gave your energies to the wrong place, and in, that, in doing so, you robbed somebody. And most fundamentally, it's here under implications, most fundamentally, we rob God of all the thanks and honor and worship that is due him as we sail through life, enjoy his many benefits, and don't even notice that it came from the hand of a good God. Do we rob him of thanks and worship? Do we? Do you? I, I suspect we do that every single day. I, I think I'm a thief in robbing God. And I suspect you are too. Wow. Wow. God, I want to give you the honor and glory that is due your name. I want to do it every day. To not do so is to rob you of worship and obedience that's due. I turn you here in your notes to, on your own time. Go to Matthew 6. Read that part of the Sermon on the Mount. Take a look at that. Jesus combating the mindset. He's talking about contentment. Oh, it's good. I ask you to think about if during this morning, God has brought anything to your mind that you need to make right. And he may do that. Maybe he already did. Maybe he, God already prompted your heart about some time that you took something and that you could make it up. You could do right. Maybe you need to go back and, and, and take care of something. I don't know. But I want to I end this way. 
Every one of us, every one of us, as we break the Ten Commandments and see it and know it, we, we, we turn to Christ. We must. Whatever commandment you're thinking about today, in this case, the eighth, as, as we recognize before God, we, yeah, we've had our foot across that line. We, we must, we must, we must turn to Jesus. He's the only one who can forgive us. He's the only one who can help us to obey in greater measure. We Listen, folks, we need Jesus. We need him every single day. We need his forgiveness to get into the family of God to begin with. And we, we need lives of daily repentance and faith every single day. Aren't you glad that God loves thieves? Yes. Yeah, because it's you and me, brother, you and me, sister. He loves us. He sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay for all of our sin. Jesus lived a perfect life quite unlike mine. So that when I stand before him, my sins have been credited to Christ at the cross. And Christ's robe of righteousness covers me. A thief. I'm so thankful. So thankful. I'd love to have you stand with me. And we're going to pray together. And as you do that... I am also going to ask Kathy Stewart to come on down here. Kathy is a newer member among us and uh, has met with the elders and shared her testimony of faith. And you just come right down here if you would. And she has met with the elders and shared her her story of faith. And and today we're going to welcome her into membership in the church family. But I'm going to pray for us. And then those of you also who are church members already, come on down, say hi and high five. I don't know. Do you high fives? Okay. You do high fives. You can high five, but, but say welcome, welcome, welcome. But let me, let me pray for us. Father, thank you for the morning. We are so thankful for your word. Your word breaks us. It does because we, we look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and we see, we see we've broken that commandment too. But oh, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. Turn us constantly to him gratefulness for the gospel gratefulness for your help that we might obey you even more thank you for this church family thank you for the privilege today to welcome kathy into the church family as a, as a member so thankful for her journey and of faith and following you and and we're just so grateful for how you've gifted her and her being a part of us so father bless her and uh, us through her and and uh, we're just thankful that we can walk this road together We honor and bless your holy name in the name of Jesus. Amen.